0: I'm Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Oh, yeah. I don't have nails right now, so it kind of hurts to do that. But, uh, but uh, joining me on the show today, uh, I've got a good old buddy of mine I know from college uh, that um, used to frequent the coffee shop I used to work at. And uh, um, we would just hang out and talk and uh, just have good conversation um, you know, anytime, anywhere. And um, he lives, he's back home in Green Bay now, but um, he was studied international studies. uh, And he has spent time in Germany and Poland. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, his passions and, um, you know, um, his experience abroad. And we're also just going to catch up and hang out. Spencer Nelson, welcome to the show.
1: Hey Ben, uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, yeah, what do you got there? Bud Light.
1: Yeah, I was grabbing from the fridge. So I yeah.
0: don't know. I don't know what people hate more, Bud Light or hams.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can definitely say I'm not the biggest hams guy, but uh, I've had my, my fair share of hams through the college years.
0: <laughs> you only you're only a hams guy if you live uh, in River West and uh, pay like. You know, less than $400 for your rent. <laughs> like, you live cheap and and at like punk shows and basements. You like <laughs> hams. I remember
1: Brock but, having a hams t shirt at one point. So. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Brock eventually because he's the reason we, I know you. But
2: right, correct.
0: But um, yeah, no, I actually have a ham shirt too. Um, it's because we um, we lived across the street from, uh, what was it? Gilbert's yes, uh, yes, Oakland and Locust and yes. um, for a while they had a deal where if you bought a 30 rack of hams then uh, it come, came with a free shirt
2: so
0: we, <laughs> we basked great. in that yeah. yeah but I don't I don't really care for Bud Light I Bud Light kind of reminds me of high school
1: yeah I mean I, I didn't I didn't uh, I did a lot of sports in school, so I suppose I really drink much till I got to Germany but um yeah, for me, Bud Light's kind of to me. It reminds me of water. Like if you want to get yeah. hydrate yourself with beer, you're gonna crack yeah. open a Bud Light. So yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's yeah, alcoholic water, pretty much. Correct. Correct. I had um, I dated a girl whose favorite, like, her beverage of choice was Bud Light with a lime wedge.
1: Interesting. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the lime wedge makes it a little better, but <laughs> I mean. I just can't, can't deal with that shit, man. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I That's am. that's why
0: we broke up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, expert reason, buddy. Am I right? Beer yeah. choice is very important. You have some compatibility there.
0: Right. Well, hey, I mean, you were in Germany for a while, so I'm sure you drank some great beers, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Uh, coming back and having beer here, it was just like a lot of water to me.
0: But, uh. <laughs> what are some of your favorite beers, like the best beers you had while you were in Europe? <sighs>
1: So there's a really good beer called um Gosser. And if you've heard like a shandy beer here, uh, they have Gosser. It's actually made in Austria as I recall, but it's all throughout, you know, the German speaking countries where it tastes as if you were to take Meyer's lemonade and Bud Light, but it has like a thicker consistency. So like that on a hot day. I mean any pilsner it's pretty good in my opinion. So you can kind of get even like the like cheap beer in Germany is still like good beer. It's it's hard sure. to find. Yeah. That, you know, I could, I could
0: see that, you know, I, I think it's kind of like when you're in New York and like even the pizza slices that are like a dollar <laughs> yeah. are still pretty, pretty damn good.
1: Yeah. I've never been to New York yet, but I would totally assume so. I mean, you have everything you could need there. So
0: that's right. Um, yeah. Uh, I like Pilsner's. I've gotten really into IPAs um, okay. the last couple of years. it like, um, do you, uh, do you like dark beers? I'm not a huge dark beer guy.
1: For me, it depends. Like, um, I don't mind a red ale I a while. I guess it's not exactly a dark beer. I mean, Guinness is good if I'm feeling it, or like a coffee stout, but that's more of like a brunch beer for me. Yeah. Um, but nothing, I mean, I, I'm not the kind of guy that the first thing i going to grab is a dark beer on a Friday night. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the dessert, you know? After yeah, you've done correct. your drinking for the night, that's what you have, like, for dessert. If, correct. like, everything else was, like, the main goal. <laughs> <laughs> sure. uh, yeah, man. So, what we talked about on Mr. Nice Guy, we examined love and fear, passion, and creativity. And might I say, Spencer, you, I remember, were, like, one of the first people, like, that I talked about my podcast with when I was working at the coffee shop and um and like i remember it was like such a like rough draft idea back then but here we are like a year and a half later and i think i like mentioned it like hey it'd be cool if like you know we always we always have good talks so it'd be cool to like have you on sometime. it took a year and a half but here we finally are right
1: it's fine it's good timing any timing is good timing in my opinion so yeah i'm excited to be here
0: yeah yeah, me too. I you moved to Green Bay, so that made it kind of hard.
1: It really did, and then with work, I can never really get down. So that was a bit tough. Oh
0: so, yeah, we got to talk about Brock
1: for mm-hmm. a sec. Shout mm-hmm. out
0: to Brock Doll. <laughs> um, you can find him as not dot Brock on Instagram. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, he uh, so Brock and I um, we were in the same LLC. Okay. Uh, freshman year in the jams department. And mm-hmm. uh, I like, you know, I'd meet his friends. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, just through like, you know, him having people over when we were roommates mm-hmm. sophomore year. But I would always see Spencer Nelson's like always like liking and commenting on his shit. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like know, I didn't like know who you were and like yeah. meet you personally till like maybe senior year or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I. Uh, so funny enough, okay, so your guys' sophomore year was my freshman year of college because Germany has 13 years of high school. So when you guys all went, I was across the sea and I remember telling me about you. And I was like, all right, some like cool guy to meet. And I actually remember, I, I remember the first night I met you. Okay. okay. So, and this, this is a funny story because it involves Brock 100%.
0: Anything that involves him is somehow funny
1: correct so okay so I, I recall I got off the plane from Chicago and I'd drive right up and take like my entrance exams or placement tests at Milwaukee so I got in there and then went back to Green Bay for like a week and then I had to get right back to Milwaukee and it was Brock's I want to say it was his 20th or 21st birthday when it was at the duplex
0: oh yeah right
1: okay yeah. so he I get this text I'm sitting in my dorm room and I met my roommates and they are more homebodies. So I kind of knew, like, I was like, well, I'm not going to get, you know, like these guys want to like, he will not go out. You know? So I was kind of like, I'm on my own. I'm in Milwaukee. I know really nobody. So maybe Brock can throw a lifeline out to me. So sure enough, I remember like <laughs> taking a boss to <laughs> like, the street, right. And I'm yeah. walking and you guys had like some security guard or something at front of the door some big dude
0: oh yeah right okay. we used to have those like people that would bounce parties yeah yeah, yeah.
1: so so there was like obviously I was kind of like, okay it's like my first college house party but I was like well I mean I'll see if I get in or not because there's so many kids I'll never forget there's like a sea of kids trying to get in this bouncer's like yeah no you guys can't get in and I'm walking up I'm like oh no Brock doll like it's birthday and when saying that and uh next thing i know the door opens and it's brock he's just like hey my boy get in here oh God, so he, grabs me. <laughs> yeah. he did that and he grabs me and pulls me into like this little you know how people congregate to get in that door
2: yeah
1: so i'm like walking in and brock's not introducing me i remember you walked up and you are like, and brock's like hey ben this is uh my best friend spencer from childhood and you're like oh nice to meet you man like Granted, everyone was extremely intoxicated, and you're like, "Yeah, he's like my best college boy. It's nice to meet you." I'm like, we shook hands, and of course, you're so packed. Yeah. And throughout the course of the night, I lose Brock and my camera, is I'm just gabbing with random people. And I go up to leave, and Brock is in the kitchen, wrapped in a blanket, <laughs> yeah. pouring himself like a bowl of cereal, and he's just like, "Oh, hey, man, like you're leaving?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's like." one in the morning and have his kids kept coming down the basement saying oh i think cops are coming or something like that and of course everyone has their mini freak out but i was like i'm i'm t- I'm almost 21 so i'm not uh, too worried and uh yeah so with that i remember that was like the defining moment of brock just seeing him wrapped up in a sheet pouring yeah. a bowl of cereal as, as the party's still continuing he's just gonna go back to his room so right right yeah
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's That is funny. That's a couple things about that story. First of all, (laughs) yeah, the thing about meeting Brock's friends is that, like, you learn – what I learned about him and, like, his friend group, like, from Green Bay is that they're all just very, very much like him in the way (laughs) that, like, how goofy and things they think are funny and how they just – just everyone's shouting in some – goofy-ass voice about some shit that, like, they found on the internet <laughs> that not a lot of people know about, and yeah. uh, it becomes inside jokes, and that is kind of exactly what happened with us, too, when we became yeah. friends with Brock, is that he would just show us some weird-ass shit he would find from the internet, like, cringe compilations.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. And then soon it would become, like our favorite shit to laugh about. Um, but also, um, yeah, those one of those parties at the duplex, um, that, yeah. Speaking of him, um, wrapping himself in a blanket and eating cereal at one in the morning, (laughs) he actually, it was one party at the end of the year. This was like one of the last ones we ever threw in the duplex, but, uh, some so, like like you said, there would just be a sea of people that would show up at our front door, yeah. and like it's really like it would be like a bottleneck when you're like trying yeah. to get in there, yeah, like basically all of Sandberg would just show up at our front door and uh,
2: yeah, I believe that.
0: yeah, and um so people would have to like go through one of our units to get to the basement mm-hmm. and uh, like there would just be this all these random ass people that would just be in our in our apartment mm-hmm. and uh like there was one, one of the last parties I remember. Like, someone like went into our fridge and Brock had like a bowl of spaghetti in that he had wrapped up in the fridge. And I mean, he walked into the kitchen. Someone, some random ass dude, none of us knew, was just eating his spaghetti. <laughs> and he just walks. He's like, "Dude, that's my spaghetti." <laughs> and. The guy was like, oh, uh, someone gave it to me. <laughs> and then...
2: Not surprising.
0: Yeah, then, like, and he, I remember he came up to me at the end of the night was pissed about that. He was like, dude, someone just, like, was eating my fucking spaghetti. Like, well, <laughs> I'm like, it's a good thing this is, like, one of the last parties we're ever throwing, so... Yeah. No one will, so? Kind of, it like, people would do that. People would, like, oh, yeah. go into our fridge, like, drink our beer like someone one time someone was like eating our fruity pebbles <laughs> and uh, I mean I remember he was like I think he had like he was like diabetic or something he just really oh, needed okay. to eat something like sugary yeah so I got it but like people would just raid our shit man oh, I mean yeah. those parties yeah. were those parties were fun
1: but yeah, they were a good time because I was gonna rush a pie but at the time I was so like, invested in school that like I mean like back at it I could have easily balanced everything but at the time I was 19 I was just like oh man like how am I going to you know 19 20 then 21 I was like well you know how am I going to balance it all in reality could have made it work but you know such is life so
0: it's okay um, frats are a lot of drama so yeah,
2: you, yeah, you, yeah.
0: you avoided that at least and you got the fun part was just coming to the parties, Correct. but, um, correct. yeah, we became better friends, um, because yeah, I used to work at the roast and you'd come oh. see me like almost every day. Like, <laughs> it was a lot. Like we, we
1: hung out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. I, um, well, I was working for Mike at two Sweet before uh, I believe he sold it off. Uh, yeah. Now
0: it's like a, it's a full cafe now.
1: Yep. That's what I've been told. I've been down in Milwaukee, obviously, since November, so it's been a long time. But uh, through some coworkers, workers, yeah, they told me it's changed hands. But yeah, I remember coming from the library. If it feels really cold in the winter, and I do it after work or I just need like to pop in and buy a coffee. If I had to study, I would just be like, oh, there's a bed. I'm gonna yeah put in there.
0: Yeah, hell yeah. Um, I do miss, one of the things I do miss about working there was always, was Mike, the owner of Two Sweet, oh, yeah. he would,
2: because oh, we
0: shared that, like, door that went between our, yep. between the places, and he would come in, and he'd be like, he's like, ben, I'm cooking something. Can you give me an espresso? I'll cook you, <laughs> I'll cook you some food, and he'd come in with, like, good-ass rice, or, like, some pita, um, some, yep. it was some good
1: food at Two Sweet. Yeah, dude, he was a great guy. So, cause I, so how I got that job was it was my – going like, my second semester of senior year. And, I mean, my parents and I had this pretty good pact where, you know, if I had good grades and I was really on top of stuff and, you know, I was involved in clubs or whatever I could do, um, like, to get a job, they're like, you know, you can, it's your choice, it's what you want to do. Uh, and then eventually I was kind of like, you know, I want to do something because I, I was like, ah, it's about time. I was like, all right, I just walked in. The to Too Sweet and I was like hey do you need some extra help and he was like can you work Fridays and Saturdays and I was like yeah he's like great <laughs> like send me your resume and we'll figure yes. all this out and, that's how, and then like literally four days later I mean once something went through he's like yeah like you're good so I started working there so that's kind of how that worked.
0: Yeah I remember you got the job like right when I got fired from the roast so like <laughs> sadly we never got to work together oh, that would have been insane oh, if we man. did that would
1: have been wild that was good times
0: I know but maybe in that case it's a good thing that I wasn't
1: yeah, yeah, knows.
0: <laughs> but um but yeah so but after that I don't think I've really seen you much since then so uh I mean obviously you uh you do um say some you say a lot of really encouraging things on social media which I've always really really appreciated about you and I like you know you're very, um, you're like a ball of sunshine.
1: Spencer. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate You're it.
0: welcome. So Spencer, um, so I want to hear a little bit about like, I guess like growing up for one, um, something I've been asking guests on the show lately is when you were growing up, what did you want to be?
1: Oh man. So that's, that's a good question. I think as a kid, um, You know, I'm sure Polly told my mom I wanted to be a worker or something like that. Um, You know, I don't know. I remember, like, for career day, my dad was, like, a vice principal and then later a principal. So I kind of wanted to do that. And then for a long time, you know, anything business-wise when I was a kid. But I knew I wanted to do a lot of traveling, I guess, as a child. Uh, One memory that pops up for me, I guess, through, like, where I knew I wanted to do more for myself in the world was – my mom told me I was a little boy and I looked at her one day. And I guess I looked at her I go, I have a sister who's five years older than me. So I looked at her and we're at the table and she goes, uh, and I went, um, you know, mom, when is, uh, when is Lauren going to get married? She's like, well, why? I'm like, well, what if I'm not here? And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, what if I'm living in Taiwan? And I mean, how's a little kid think of Taiwan? So I don't really know if I ever knew exactly what I wanted to be, but I just wanted to be working or doing something. I knew I wanted to kind of go out and about, but never really had, like I guess a specific job.
0: Sure. You just, you knew more like your ideal scenario more than like the specific role that you're playing.
1: Yeah, I guess. I think when you're a little kid too, you know, you don't, I mean, obviously your influence comes from what your parents do or whatever you think is cool. So for me, I mean I I guess when I think about it, there's so many things I wanted to do. It was always the you know, a drop of a hat it can change in a day. So
0: Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that for sure was me too. Like I um I went through like phases of wanting to be like ten different things when I was a kid. So um yeah, at one point um I wanted to be an actor. Another point I wanted to be a a weatherman. I also wanted to be like, um, I remember I wanted to be an umpire. I actually forgot about that. <laughs> like in middle school, yeah, I literally I played one year of middle of little league baseball because okay. my, I was kind of late to like signing up, but, mm-hmm. um, but I wanted to do it like the last year that I could. So, yep. but I loved it and I thought umpiring was like so, <laughs> like it? it just looked so fun <laughs> like and I, but, yeah, that was um that' a short lived dream, but, yeah, I wanted to be all kinds of random things
1: yeah. um, if i were if I just it just popped in my head real quick, I didn't mean to go. Yeah. mine was a marine biologist as a little kid, I actually wanted to do that big time I recall now throughout all of middle school, and then um, when I got into high school, that kind of changed, but yeah, for a long time, I think about it. it was a marine biologist that's just popped into my head later. Years.
0: I went to an aquarium one day,' just like. I yeah. want to work here.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. Or, like, work – like, my goal is, like, to work with, like, sea manatees and, and, like, Greenpeace and that, I think. I remember seeing some documents on that as a kid and thinking that was cool, so. It's kind of, oh, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. So, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I, I just popped in my head.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think, it was, like, there were times where I was like, oh, yeah, it would be cool to, like, be a zookeeper. Like, I wanted to work with animals every day. But it's a lot of – physical and emotional stress you know you basically like it's like raising kids and taking care of them but it's a bunch of different species yeah. and uh, you basically like you know you have to make sure they're surviving and that they're happy otherwise <laughs> yeah. you're in fucking trouble because this is some okay. endangered species and some shit
1: yeah that would be i couldn't handle that stress and i mean just to the science and school everything behind it so
0: yeah, that side of campus you wouldn't see me on. Uh, <laughs> no. um, so, but I guess uh, what uh, what led you to? So you said you did a year in Germany after yeah. um, after high school. Tell me about uh, like what led you into that, and just like what I guess like uh, tell me about the experience out there.
1: Yeah. So in order to kind of get into that, I'll I i will not Drag it out, but um, so as a kid um, living in Green, I was in the Green Bay school district as a child, and my dad was uh, a special education teacher and football coach at a city school in Green Bay. And guys, mash was an overtime. Um, he got a call to, well, not a call, but a recommendation to apply for a assistant uh, principal position in Escanaba, where I met Brock later on. So I was about seven years old, and when, based on where you lived at the time in our town, if you lived on the south side of town, you learned German, and the highway divided the north side where you would learn Spanish. You you couldn't go back and forth, it was just one or the other. So so for me, I remember being like seven years old, and we moved into our new house, and we had to start school, and my dad, like, I remember sitting at the table, and my dad going, okay, Spencer, you're going to learn German? And then my sister, he was like, you're going to take Spanish, I guess, because it's what you picked. So I was a little kid, so I didn't really know um, where that was going to lead me. And I was pretty good at it. And there was a time in like fifth grade where I didn't want to do it anymore. And my mom pretty much said, no, like this is a good opportunity for you to learn German and I'm not letting you quit, which she did not. No matter how hard I fought it, and I'm glad she didn't and was very bullheaded with me because it led to a lot of good things where if she, you know, as a mom, I feel like, um, you know, some moms, if their kid was like, you know, just being so persistent, they would just say, okay, fine. But my mom knew that it was a good opportunity for me. So she's kind of kept me there. And then um, in high school, uh, Ashwabnon has has had a partner school since 1984. It's called uh, GAP, G-A-P-P. So it's a German-American partnership program. And after World War II, in order to facilitate good American-German connections, they started partnering schools. So as a kid, when you're a little kid in the German classes, they, the German kids and the high school kids, like they'll pair up for one month. So you go for one month in the summer. They come during like homecoming time, kind of see what that's all like. So then they would come and meet the elementary school kids. So as a little kid, you meet all these German kids from the same town you always go to. So it kind of is planting the seed of, oh, if I continue with this, I get to, you know, go to Germany for a month. So I did that. And then I got so tight with my host family with their, I mean, I literally called them mom and dad and my brothers and, or my brother, sorry. And uh, just when I I didn't really know I was going to go to college or not, that was a a journey in its own. And I was just like, you know, why don't I just go to Germany for one year and gave them a call and they said, sure, we'll figure out the principal. And it was kind of set sail from there.
0: Um, hope that but, was clear uh, enough. Yeah, yeah, it is totally. Um, that, that is pretty cool. My yeah. school didn't have anything like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So.
0: Um, we also, we didn't have to take foreign language until sixth grade or no, no, no seventh grade, seventh grade.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. So you guys
0: started a lot earlier than we did.
1: Yeah. I mean, kids started in kindergarten, which I mean, that's when you're so little, you don't really retain a lot, but uh, they kept it pretty standard. We had great teachers and they're still in the district today. So um we I mean we had like three four really solid teachers and they've been with us every step of the way so uh and you know when you have siblings of kids who took German it just kind of keeps cycling through so Ooh. it's a kind of cool tradition because it just depends geographically luckily where you live in Ashwaubenon so
0: yeah right yeah, yeah. um so what was like once you got there um so what was the programming like in the,
1: in Germany So do you mean when I did my first exchange or my whole year of school on my own? The whole year. Okay. The whole year. So my German was pretty good. Like leaving high school, I was pretty like, well at the time I was like, I'm pretty confident in like my German ability. And I knew I told myself before I left that like, I'm going to do everything in German. I'm going to speak as much German as I can all the time. And if people want to use English with me, like I'm not going to let them unless I have no clue. So I didn't want to like take the easier route. So my first day, I had to get myself to the airport with a good buddy of mine who actually did the same thing as I did in my neighborhood. Um, another buddy at Brock's. And um, and so first day was kind of smooth sailing. But of course, I it was a lot at first, just getting it all kind of in your face. So I really learned what it was like to just kind of be in overload. So I found myself getting like really tired a lot in school or like falling asleep and I had a great night of sleep just because it's so much at you at once. So it really gave me that good um, kind of induction as to what it would be like, you know, say when people come to America and they know a good amount, but not as much as maybe they thought they did. And then just, you know, Germans, speaking German outside of school is fine. But when you get into like academic German, that was really hard. So that was, uh, it took me about three or four months to really get comfortable with that. But I, I floundered for a bit, but I just had to keep you know knocking on the door and it ended up working out pretty good but it was it wasn't easy at first it wasn't all rainbows and sunshine but it got really good eventually and i made some of the best friends i'll have still talk to you today every day for the rest of my life so yeah, that's,
0: hey that's how you know it works yeah, yeah. talking to them today
1: like correct yeah. yeah
0: um so what uh what cities were you in
1: so i was in a small town called Frankenthal and it's outside of a city called Mannheim so like southwest Germany, where if I were to go to like, the French border, I would go directly west, and I would be, like, an hour away. So kind of in you – know, if, if it's my hand, and Germany's here, I was, like, kind of great here.
0: Yeah, I remember I did a um, – I did, like, a, in, like, third grade, we had, like, a sister cities, like, social studies project we had to do, and uh, my city was Hamburg.
2: Oh, so, nice. um, so I remember that
0: was the first time I learned anything about Germany. It was in third grade, and you learn about like, you know, all the, the, the foods. I just I remember the foods. You know, I remember pumpernickel <laughs> and schnitzel and yeah, you know, Spatzel and strudel and you know, like all that's just.
2: Stuff.
0: If there's anything you remember about like social studies projects, I feel like when you were a kid, it's always. Yeah. The you know.
1: Yeah, I always remember asking my mom for glue at 9pm the night before it was due and getting yelled at.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when you came back, um, like, when you came back to America after being there for a year, like, um, what did what did you miss about being out there? And then what did you look forward to coming back to America for?
1: Yeah, that's actually it's weird because um you know it's kind of a weird regret of mine that I that I did come back it sounds kind of odd um because if I didn't come back I wouldn't be doing this right now
2: yeah
1: right but um I think what was hard for me was going from a culture where I mean when I reflect on like seniors in my high school class versus when you're 19 and a senior there like the maturity level was really different like it kind of I mean I'm not saying I was super immature but I mean I'm sure if you would have compared me at the time, I, I was, you know, probably lacking a bit in that department. Yeah. So it really like matured me in a year, pretty big time, just being more responsible on my own, just based on how the German school system was, really kind of, you have to look out for yourself. And uh, there's a lot of accountability kind of yourself. So it prepared me well for college. When I got there, I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. I didn't have the issue where I was going to, you know, do bad in school. or anything like that, I think what I missed was like the nightlife where I could go to a nightclub with my buddies on a train and hop on. Nothing mattered. Or I could go drink in public. Didn't, didn't matter. You know, that social aspect. When I got back to here, I was like, okay, I'm 19. I've been going to like techno clubs. My buddies are like going to watch my buddies play soccer and like, you know, having a couple of beers with the guys and like, I don't know, their version of like a target parking lot playing drinking games. And then I go to a dorm where I have an RA who is like breathing down her neck or I go to a party, if I'm walking out at the wrong time, you know, what if a cop, you know, didn't mind filling out paperwork and I get an underage. So yeah. I don't like that paranoia, I think, which kind of limited my experience of college, but I would say just culture getting back was different and people were different. That was uh, a bit isolating for me. It was kind of tough.
0: Yeah. I, that's a good point. Um, cause I can like, I can see that, you know, when you have all these like um these pastimes and luxuries that are just seen as like yeah. recreational things that you can just do um out there. Like having that taken away from you for two years, like that sucks. I remember
1: yeah, it was tough.
0: I remember like, you know, I did my birthright um in Israel when I was 18. And that was the first time yeah, it was yeah, like I remember it was an amazing time, like because it was my first time I could ever just like legally have a beer cause the drinking age is 18 there. <laughs> yeah. But then so that, yeah, like 10 days, you can like, you know, like yeah, drink and days. have fun and do what you want. But then you come back here and you're like, well, that was nice. Yeah, <laughs> that I've was nice. <laughs> what, are, uh, what are drivers like in Germany and Poland? Can people drive like, <laughs> how compared to like driving oh, in, the, in the States?
1: Man, Jeremy is odd because, so like the Autobahn, it's just the name for highway. Like there's no like one stretch of Autobahn, which I think a lot of people think. I mean, I I thought the same thing. And then like my host dad was like, no, like we're on the Autobahn. Like it's just highway. I was like, oh, okay. And so like there's certain certain, sites or parts of the highway that are controlled speed. But you you might come to a highway that has five lanes. If you're in the way left, you hammer. If you're in the right kind of similar here, right, left lane, but common sense too goes a far way. I feel like in my opinion, like there's more common sense there where, okay, if you're like driving in a, like on a highway and you're going, I don't know, 125 miles an hour, and you're noticing all these cars around you aren't, you're, you're, you're gonna most likely slow down. I mean, you always have that one outlier, obviously that, that, that's what they want. And you have like some sections that are controlled where they don't really put a lot of police effort into like pulling you over they have like these uh cameras that will flash at you so you'll be driving and if you're going too fast it flashes and it gets your data or like your your you know license all that and you'll just get a nice fine in the mail so oh, and, yeah. yeah and then i mean poland that's kind of it's pretty reckless in my
0: opinion. <laughs> i uh,
1: i i remember i mean i didn't do any driving when i was there when i was on my study abroad but when i was 14 i went to poland with my great uncle so he's polish and um, that was my first time abroad, uh, as a kid. And so we get all the, the airplane in Warsaw or airport in Warsaw and he hails a taxi, kind of bartering with the guy, which is going to cost to get through. And we get in the cab and there's no seatbelts, but rem- remind you, this is like 10 years ago. So they, at the time were in the EU for maybe like seven years. So like it was building. Okay. But a lot of that old mindset was still there. So there's no seatbelts. And my good uncle looking at me, and he goes, don't you buckle up. And I was like, why? He's like, oh, it's going to offend the driver if you buckle up, because he'll make it think, like, you don't think he's a safe driver. I'm like, oh, boy. Like, okay. yeah. And he just tears off in the middle of Warsaw. That's, yeah. I mean, that's a big city. It's packed. Not like New York, but probably like a Chicago. So he's just tearing through. He, like, runs a red light. There's people, like, walking the crosswalk. Like they kind of hop back, and I'm, like, death gripping. I'm like, oh, my God. And my great uncle, he's just gabbing away as if nothing happened. And he finally starts at the stop sign. And I see this car that's crashed into like a, a bus stop. And there's glass everywhere. And this Polish driver, I mean, he spoke no English, obviously. He, he's old. I mean, the dude is probably in his 70s. He's just smoking a cigarette. And he goes, ha, Stevie Wonder. And then just <laughs> keeps driving. What? Yeah, and I remember that, and I really just being like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was man. my first, like, 10 minutes in Poland as, a, as like, a, a teenager boy. I mean, as a kid, realistically, that was, like, mind-blowing, where Germany was pretty calm compared to Poland. Yeah. I mean...
0: Dude, that's... It's funny, because, like, that's the buckling up thing. is like a... It's just some, like, corny dad joke in America, where it's yeah. like, oh, you better buckle up. Oh, like, this person's spying the wheel. But... The fact that, like, it's offensive if you buckle up when, like, a certain person is driving. Yeah,
1: I mean, granted, like, that guy was pretty old, and this is 10 years ago, man. It's like Poland's really changed. Like, going from when I was 14 to 20 when I got there, or no, not 20, sorry, it's two years ago, like 22. I mean, that was, it was night and day difference when I got back. But, yeah, when I was there, man, it was <laughs> the first time it was a little out there, so.
0: Do people, um... How do people like um engage with politics out there compared to here?
1: yeah, that's um so I was this past summer, so not now you know last summer. I was doing an internship in Germany, and that was kind of when they were getting geared up for some elections. I recall, and I know like um among our age group, the green Party in Germany is rising um, but I mean Germany has a i think I want to say if I recall back, they have like six parties. So like, it's not just like a two-party system. They have very multiples, but then you can create coalitions. So that's where, you know, if depending on whatever side you're on, I mean, it can be a pro or a con, depending on who does coalitions, or they can break coalitions and some things get passed through, some things don't, and then some things kind of hang in the balance. Um, in my opinion, for Germans, a lot of people like to just keep their politics themselves. Um, it's not so much, I mean, it's important, but How they go about their politics compared to here like you don't see you know slandering infomercials on tv i I don't even think that's legal and
0: at this point like there's literally youtube ads about that
1: oh yeah yeah you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's it's very different man um it's hard to explain because i was there during an election season when i was younger and it I it had the same feeling as it did here. There's no way. It's uh it's not as in your face because if you have six parties man, I mean one I mean your your chancellor, your leader, you know gets appointed, but there's more that goes into than just like one party taking a stand. Cuz even if your party wins, you still have five other parties you have to go through, possibly seven. I mean it's always, there's it's always changing.
0: Sure. That's yep. that's interesting. That's I mean I it would be nice Correct. I have something like that here. Like I, I I'm a firm firm believer in like you know sort of the post bipartisan like system that we have now and like in favor dropping that in favor of I saw I saw a Patriot Act episode about okay. that. Yep. but it was about like um, how like you should be able to like rank your selections in primaries and not like not not like running it through a winner takes all yep. um, scope, but from something that like where you have just like more choices, like, and yep. you can like sort of rank your choices based on both inter party and uh, like within your own party. Like, yep. I think we need more of that because like at this here in like the States from just what from what people are talking about, like. You vote based on who you hate more.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, man, that's something that I, I don't know how to explain how I feel about that because for me personally, I, I, this is, I I feel, when I look at a candidate, man, I'll be honest, I think to myself, which man or woman could I like sit down have a beer with and talk for an hour and not bring up politics one time? Like in the sense of, okay, do I agree with their policies? That's good. You know, that's obviously important. Okay. So I'm not like dismissing that. Right. But my thing is like, I look at the at candidates as like people, because at the end of the day, they're people like you and I. It's just that they got a security clearance. They probably studied more politics than we did. And if I have a general better idea of how things should work or could work or they how they want it to work, then we would as people. Yeah. So I often look at candidates and if I'm like, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't trust that person outside my personal life or if I was, you know, Sitting at a table with them. You know. yeah. uh, and I think, too, in my opinion, that nowadays people, and I'm sure we've seen this across all walks, that nowadays it seems like in the US that people tend to take their political parties and make it almost like their identity. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, and at times I, I really struggle with that because I. I actually rarely, I mean, other than with you and we'd have our coffee talks, I I rarely, even on the social media, I rarely get involved with that thing just for, you know, depending on where I work in my future, whatever I do. Um, I accumulate a lot of that stuff to myself unless I really feel comfortable with people. Um, But I I really do see that when people make it about their identity, it, it impairs their ability, no matter what side they're on, to try to find a meeting ground. And I think that's what's really important. And I know... We often, you know, everyone always says, "Oh, we need a third, we need a middleman or a moderate, or you know, you know, we need something in the middle." And it's like, well, you got a third party <laughs> it's just that just doesn't have yeah. enough action,
0: right? So, they just don't have much of like a platform, you know. Like for example, like they're they are overlooked in the debates and whatnot, and yeah. like yeah, and there's far more than just a third. There's so yeah. many
1: parties. you know. Yeah, I know. I uh, I recall this as a while ago. I took a, a like a test it says so like the peace freedom and justice party and it was like a dove and i was like i've never heard of this party and i looked it up and i was like all right and i looked at like the representation i was like yeah that's never gonna <laughs> it's never gonna it's never gonna see the light of day so right um, for me i mean i think in time things will change i mean they're, they're it's bound to in my opinion but like even in poland right now man that was gridlocked to party and um, their former president Angie duda he won but if you looked at Poland and the voting they were split directly in half like you could take the country and cut it in half and you had like your more left and more right candidate and they were split directly in half i mean there's a lot of geo like a geographical pull because like the more i guess we would say left or not left. you know what i mean not extreme up more like liberal i would say was more bordering germany Czech Republic, Austria, kind of that portion. And then you're more conservatives, you know, facing Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, more like traditionalists in terms of Eastern European lifestyles and kind of you know just how they view the world. So it didn't yeah. surprise me, but it, it it didn't surprise me that the candidate who won won. Um, I kinda of saw it coming. But in general it's interesting that Poland just split down in half. That was really odd. I figured it could have been blotted, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: And that was that was that was different. That was interesting. And just polling right now, they're kind of going through a big change and some things that want to get passed, and we could touch on that later if you want to, or in, you know, personal discussion, but yeah, it's it's very interesting what they're kind of going through right now, so.
0: Yeah. That would be so, so wild if you, like, imagine the U.S. being split in half, where, like, the West, the West side of the country is, like, all one ideological foundation, whereas the, the, the Eastern part is the opposite of that that would be man that would be like some dystopian shit if we yeah, I if be, you thought about it yeah,
1: i, I like in my head i pictured like north dakota south dakota like split in half
0: Just yeah like, it's like there's now a northwest dakota a northeast dakota
1: <laughs> yeah, man. and i mean i'll be honest that would be terrifying that would yeah if, if we split in half as a country that would that would be pretty pretty i i don't know where that would all go that would, uh, i know
0: i still have to watch um the man in the high castle um right. i've heard that's a good show and it's it's about i am sure you've heard of it
1: yep yep uh, yeah yeah so like I to watch it but i know what it's all about
0: I yeah know. yeah it's about like the nazis won and like things are split something like that
1: yeah so i did. <laughs> would not have been good
0: no um, no no So that being said, yeah, I'm a Jew here. So I'm, uh, I'm interested because, you know, it's based on like, you know, hearsay from people that have like, experienced the culture or just know a lot about Poland being as you were there, I've heard that there is a lot of anti-Semitism in Poland. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, so this is interesting. Is actually, so my great-grandmother, I mean, this is where it's hard in terms, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm considering uh, doing my conversion. Oh, okay. Yep, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in college, I, I was really, like, going to go gung-ho with it, but just life kind of got in the way, and I just wasn't, you know, you know how life goes. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> this is just kind of interesting where Yeah, it's rising in Poland. It's really odd, not odd, but I mean, it was, obviously it was one of the most flourishing Jewish populations in history, in World War II. And then once that came over, there's so much hate. And I really think it stems from, like when I think of old Poles, where I think a lot of the the anger or hate, which I mean, it's obviously there. I think it comes from the fact that, I mean, they got invaded September 1st, 1939, because they had such a big population. Where you know, would they have been? Could they have avoided a lot of turmoil? I don't know. Um, but historically, you know, when they had such a big population, it you know, Germany just pillaged through, and then nowadays it's because they do have a big, like, kind of outright neo Nazi moment, which is so odd because like Germany literally trounced them all the way through. So, yeah, it's 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 different. Um, I know that my great grandmother, so her last name was Kamenetsky. And her really name was, like, Marenica, or then she went by Verna. And uh, she was very private about, like, her Polish life. My, my grandma still says, that, you know, there's not a whole lot that's, um, that she ever got out of her mom about um, life. And so my great-grandfather was a Laubenstein. And they, how it worked was, like, my, grandma, my great-grandmother, she um, helped out Jewish families in Green Bay. But at the time because it was such a small community they really kept separate because green bay is a small city and there's way in the east side but she my great-grandma would go and do housekeeping and kind of tidy up and was connected with the families and um that wasn't super common in the time and my grandma remembers like them getting you know hanukkah cards or things on yom kippur and her my great-grandma like reading it through and just kind of going about it and my grandma being like you know what's this and she was just like oh just don't worry about it and then her father was a Lovenstein he just seemed to get a little frantic you know just the times and I went through some old passage documents and their family all came through late 1800s to Baltimore and there's a Jacob Kaminsky who was family of theirs and he had Hebrew listed as his um, race so it's very interesting because they were from Galicia, which I don't know if you ever learned about Galicia through history. Um, it was the section of Poland, which is where modern day Ukraine is.
2: Mm-hmm. And it was
1: like the most flourishing uh, Jewish part of like, I sure. guess you, know, you could say the world at the time and a lot of them got forcibly converted or they had to flee. And there's a lot of turmoil through that, but they were very they big communities and they were flourishing. And that's the section of where their name originates and where the families all came from. So you know whether or not they were. I mean, all of the things that kind of yeah. like point to one general direction. So
2: yeah, yeah.
1: It's like yeah. hearing that as a child, it kind of got me more interested. And I mean, I've been studying it for oh god since I was probably 17, and I think just now it's kind of time to you know hone in on it. So
0: well, if you do, welcome aboard.
1: <laughs> Thanks, buddy. So yeah, it's just kind of interesting about that. And you know, they would get these letters that was like you know send money to Israel and you know plot money in Israel my grandma always had these questions and her mom just never answered them so
0: yeah it's interesting don't you think it's like it's pretty like I mean we don't experience this as much like um in western culture because like there's such a melting pot of like European origins and stuff so like you can't always be able to tell just from someone's last name like Mm -hmm. what their origin is like yeah. but generally, generally speaking, in Europe, it's like if you have Stein in your last <laughs> name, you're Jewish, yeah,
2: and if you have name.
0: and if you have Ski in the end, you're Polish.
2: Yeah,
0: um, yeah, I always, I always thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, and so like I mean, their name changed over time. So what's really interesting about all this too is um, my great grandmother's mother was named Mariana Naidu. And I looked, I found a Mariana Nidul who came through Baltimore, through Cook County, and she had Hebrew as her race. But the name was changed her last she on her like four census records, she changed her last name spelling and kept changing it. And so they ended up living in a small farm town. Like I wanna say nowadays it's like a 30 minute drive north of Green Bay. So depending on how that went for their experience, I mean if you set a church down down the road where are you going to send your kids if you want them to have a religious upbringing I think you know based on the times we don't know because I mean you know we don't have all the answers so that's what I find interesting about my mother's side of the family where there's just there's so many kind of hidden things that we don't fully know
0: yeah yeah I yeah and it's like you got to have these these conversations with your family like if they're so willing like to yeah
1: we do so it's important for us just to talk so we do all that I mean it's just interesting when we kind of, as, you know, as I had an interest in just, you know, my interests and my family and all that, it's kind of trying to kind of piece some things together because.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Like my mom's side is Jewish yeah. and uh, they, they originate from like Eastern Europe, like Ukraine. Okay. Um, yeah. no
2: more.
0: My uh, great, I don't know if my great grandma was born in Kiev, but I do know that like, our origins are from Ukraine okay. um, and we have Jews by marriage on my dad's side okay. So, like we were like so like there's always been um, you know like the, the secular Jewish celebrations in my family like we celebrate the Seder we celebrate um, like we do little things on Rosh Hashanah like apples and honey. Yeah. Hanukkah every year obviously like I just you know the more questions you ask about like oh where is my family from like I want to know like the full tree like you learn a lot of that from word by word of mouth and you know you establish a pride factor from that yeah, yeah. but I think like the real the real thing for me that was the pro- with that made like my pride in being Jewish, like, the strongest was when I took the 23andMe test. Okay,
2: cool. Um,
0: my, it was a Christmas present from my mother to my sister and I when we were, uh, I think it was, like, two years ago, but um, we took it and find out I'm 51% Ashkenazi Jew, so I'm over half-Jewish. <laughs> yeah. So I'm Jewish as fuck. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like...
1: I, I remember you tweeting that, because you had, like, Took a DNA test. I don't know, like I'm 51% Ashkenazi. Like, time to have a hamburger or something like that. I, yeah, remember yeah. That. I retweeted that. I remember oh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I yeah. was like, I'm going to have a cheeseburger. Because <laughs> 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 yeah. I feel like a lot of like my dietary favorites have just been complete contradictions to being Jewish. You oh, know, I, yeah. love yeah, I, I love pork. I
1: don't eat much pork. I don't eat bacon. Oh, if I, I, lo- I went fully kosher. I, 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 I mean, I if I would, but you know. Well, uh,
0: it's easy for some people because pork tends to be one of the least favorite meats. Yeah, seems it's really fatty, so I get it. But yeah, but um, but yeah, like I mean, but it it was interesting because, like, you know, I don't look Jewish at all. Um, I a lot of times when I tell people I'm Jewish, like, it comes as a shock to them because my generally I'm I look like. Ethnically, I look a lot more like my dad's side, which is the Norwegian jerk Norwegian Irish side.
1: Yeah, I say the red, the red.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, what about you? Like, like, um, what else? What else are you besides like, dis- like, distantly Jewish?
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So, I mean, I did my whole family tree all the way through, so I have all the documents still. Um, oh, my dad's family. And I've Instagram. I had on Instagram, I post a couple days like my dad's family. I mean, Danish through and through. So we still have family in Denmark. Um, my great aunt met them, I and mean, I haven't met them personally I've been to Denmark, but I haven't like met my family. It wasn't the point of the trip. But they all came Shout out.
0: Shout out Legos. Am I right?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah I did. Applied for a job there, got denied. So. Yeah. Oh damn. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, they're Danish, and then um a part of so from Denmark, and then. I had a great-grandfather whose family was from Belgium, and they settled up in northern Wisconsin, but they had Danish roots and went from Denmark to Belgium, then Belgium to USA. So, on uh, my dad's side, it's pretty much, you know, predominantly Danish by, like, blood and, like, you know, immigrations and stuff. But for my mom, it was uh, Polish and then English. So, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: so. um, how that works. How did your time, ta- like, so when you came back to um, the U.S., when you went to UWM for, college
1: okay.
0: what um so so you studied what, international relations or something like
1: yeah I, that was my first pull and then i went to like global communications which is literally the same thing i mean i think you'd take a couple more economics courses but sure
0: yeah. i i'm my girlfriend emily which you know her
1: yeah, yeah. yeah I'm in classes
0: yeah when she told me she knew you i was like no way like spencer's <laughs> my boy <laughs>
1: Oh, that uh, was, uh, she was friends with Jessica Janae. Shout out to her. I was oh like, yeah. I was like, no way, because my one of my best buddies from childhood, his roommate dates her. Oh. So. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so well. it's one big circle, man. It, uh, it's yeah. Funny how that works.
0: It's funny because I actually met Emily from working at the roast. Okay. So, it is. It is. You know, the East Side is just like.
2: It's bumping, man.
0: It is. It is bumping. Um so anyway uh, so yeah like how did how did your time like i guess like what influenced you to study what you decided to study
1: yeah so i mean at the time i'll be honest like when i said i wasn't really sure about going to college i got a 19 <laughs> 19 to 17 on my act like, what i got a 19 a 19 and then a 17
2: oh damn
1: i mean it just i, I couldn't catch a break and um all my friends were getting high scores, and I, I knew from my sister going to college that the ACT wasn't the most important thing, but I just knew that, okay, like, if I, I had good grades in high school, I gotta I, I, I figure out what I'm gonna do, so I applied for Milwaukee just because they had, like, a 90% acceptance rate, and they had, like, global studies, and I knew it was, like, a more diverse city, so I thought, if I'm gonna come back to anything and try it. I might as well go to Milwaukee, so that's kind of how I, I did it, and then from there, I mean, I met the right people on the way and I liked the teachers I had in school, so I just stuck it out and it was good. It was beneficial. And I did well. So yeah, it all kinda of worked out, but Good. Yeah. I never visited I... it until I uh my first day or the first week before I took my you know, when I took the entrance tests. Never right. even checked it out. Just Googled it, and was like, ah, I'll go.
0: Yeah. No, that's actually I committed to UWM before I even visited.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: I mean, it was either that or NIU for me, and
2: okay. I didn't.
0: I visited NIU, and I didn't really like the campus. So, you know, the Cal
2: Illinois.
0: Yeah, my yeah my, I don't know. I mean, I like also just I liked the urban aspect of UWM, and like, um, you know, it just it had what I needed. I, I mean, I got a I got a 26 on the ACT, but my grades weren't great. Okay. Uh, graduated with like a 2.9 or so
1: wow mr slowly
0: <laughs> yeah uh, and in college i mean my gpa wasn't much better i graduated yeah. with 3.0 <laughs> so uh, I, i've yeah, always kind of hovered around the yeah, 75 <laughs> percent or right. so yeah.
1: um uh, same here i had like a well in high school i had a good i had a right, gp i know i could have done better if i go back in time i would have done so much better but College ended up like a 3-3. Three, three, okay. But, I mean, nothing to, like, write home about, but it was – I had no issues. I mean, I had no issues of flunking out or not passing, so.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've kind of, like, sort of done my um, my digging and learning about myself with my therapist to learn that I very likely have undiagnosed ADHD.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: Probably has a lot to do with why, you know, <laughs> I never studied for anything until, like, my junior year of college, so.
1: Yeah, I was the same way.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard, man, but. Yeah, yeah, but um but, I digress. So, you, uh, tell me about, so you went back to Germany last summer for your internship.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so, like, with the global studies, you have to do a mandatory study abroad, and you have to do an internship. So, some kids try to do back-to-back, and I just knew, like, there's no way that's going to work so you have to have so many hours so i planted planned it out where i got kind of lucky where um schreiber, there's a company in green bay called schreiber foods and it's like the third and i didn't know this until i got there to their plant in germany it's like the third largest cheese producer in the world
0: oh yeah oh yeah yeah i remember this
1: yep. yeah so i my mom had a friend who kind of runs their immigrations and all that and she like gave me a lifeline to, to email with the um, <clears throat> head of the plant you know and so he like called me one day It was like six in the morning my time so like noon their time and I had to be up and I was like oh my god and you know the, the interview went well and we did like two of them and then luckily they're like yeah we'll take you on so I timed it out where the town I lived in previously has this big wine festival so I knew everyone would be back so I did there went out, did that stayed with my host family for like two weeks and went and I just learned a lot about the cheese industry and did a lot of research and uh, stuff for like the UK for like possible, um, you know, branches that it could ever make. And it was, it was good. It was interesting to learn like the German work culture and just how kind of tough it is. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty nose to the grindstone, but then when you do have free time, you, you, you enjoy your free time. So there's a small town at the border of Austria and I stayed with like, an Airbnb family. They're a young couple, like our age, a little older. They like took good care of me and they were super cool. So I learned a lot um, and it just gave me good insight into like, if I were to work in Germany, what it could be like. And that's kind of what it's all about. So yeah, I had a pretty big portfolio, which I kind of waited to the last minute. Supply, uh, you know, sent it, submitted it. And then, um, you know, I passed. I got my college degree and it worked out.
0: Oh, yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah, man. So was pretty good.
0: Yeah. so that being all said um i guess like ideally what would be next for you like i know you mentioned that you would you like you had thoughts of like staying out there permanently like what yeah like what are you thinking now
1: yeah so that's kind of uh, as of today kind of funny you mentioned that so i applied for like a master's program uh in poland at the school i started abroad at because wow. i loved it i still have friends there and i thought you know, for like the price and just living in Poland's like cheaper where, I mean, I didn't want to take out a big loan due to a master's here. And then Germany, I kind of missed the windows of acceptance. And I mean, just, I mean, not that I want to take the easy way out, but I want to go back to where I'm comfortable and I can build my Polish because my Polish isn't great. I mean, I know enough, but I'd like to really build it more for possible, yeah. you know, anything in the world I can do. So I applied there and I got accepted, but with COVID right now, I mean, the embassy in Chicago is closed. And even if they open it, there's that quarantine rule when you come from Wisconsin. So that's kind of affected me where, you know, if I go and I do all that process, well, then quarantine 14 days. I mean, I, I, visit, I can't do that and then, you know, keep my job. So I um, might have to defer that. I have some time till October when that starts. But realistically, I was going to, if it would have worked out, I was going to do a master's degree this year, been a two-year degree, and then, you know, see where the road takes me. So I'm looking to further my education and kind of see where, it's next year with COVID see where it takes me but that was gonna be the plan but you know plans change so you can't yeah. you can't fully plan everything which I'm learning the hard way in my mid-20s but <laughs> I mean things are gonna work out so I'm not touring I mean realistically I would see my I could I would like to see myself living in some big European city working and using my language skills or whatever I can do to land a job and some visas and possibly a citizenship in the future so
0: that's awesome man I mean that's that's a great goal to have. Like, I mean, you know, I I think that like in, in a lot of ways you sort of went a different route with like how you perceive your role in the world. Whereas a lot of people are very like occupationally driven. You are very like environmentally and like geographically driven where it's like you, you see yourself in certain places in the world. Whereas like, a lot of other people are like oh I want to have this particular job mm-hmm. but you just like are really inclined with like living in a certain place using s- certain skills yeah. of yourself of your own but you might not have like the job aspect of it like pinpointed which cool. I yeah. think is a really unique way to like um to evaluate your place in the world and like I think in that way, like, I mean, it does keep your options very, very wide open, which is
1: yeah. awesome. That, that's kind of what I, I mean, even I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, just like, what if I'm in Taiwan? I mean, I don't think many mothers or fathers would expect their, like, six, seven-year-old kid to say that. So I right. think it comes from my grandpa. He was a pretty big travel guide, and my great-grandpa was two for his time. But um, so that was some influence I had there, and just reading a lot of books. So, my parents just kind of being ahead of their time with the languages and really being open to the world around me. So, I think for me, I mean, the jobs will come in time. I think where you feel like for any human, I think where you feel most comfortable and where you see yourself and your, your happiest version of yourself, I think that's more important than, okay, this is my dream job. But what if you're, I mean, because I experienced it when I was in the middle of nowhere in like Germany, I was like, okay, it's a beautiful view. But you can't live off a scenery it's a town of like 600 people um so i learned that the hard way not the hard way i mean it was a great experience but i learned that about myself where you need a bit more than just a good view so i think the jobs will come and the people will come but i think being the best version of yourself will attract more of what you want than when you're just directly tunnel vision for what you're seeking is that that makes that makes sense
0: yeah and i like the way you put that because like it's very easy to pigeonhole where you see yourself and i'm guilty of that too you know like i'm like oh That's yeah
1: you man everyone does it yeah
0: right where i'm like oh yeah i want to get this job at 88 9 and uh, call it my career but you know it's just that things sometimes just don't work like that and like yeah you know it's better to see like you know you can't always like look at a that narrow like um pathway to like you mm-hmm. know you finding yourself and instead like what are some other goals and other departments of your life that you want polished yep. um by this time you know like for example I was thinking about it last night like you know maybe like maybe not this year but next year I think I wanna like get my first cat. Um it's awesome. It yeah
2: it's good. Yeah
0: yeah yeah I wanna I wanna get like a pet um, next year. And like the, by the end of this year, you know, I'll be able to say that like, you know, I did things like open a savings account. I got my own place. I, I became a lot more like fiscally and independently responsible. Like I, I accomplished certain goals this year, but like next year, you know, I want to be in like certain other places that continue building off of what is what I accomplished this year. And like, that's something that a lot of people don't, you know, they don't always think of, like, you know, looking at, like, what your success means as, like, a, it's a matter of cumulative growth.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I get that from my dad, to be honest. Um, he, so, my, like, my dad went to college. He went to Madison, lacrosse, and Oshkosh. And graduated from Oshkosh. So,
0: He's all
1: um, over the state. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. But, I mean, but it led him to a great career and something he's very proud of. I mean, he, he was in the Wisconsin educational system for 33 years. So um, he always, and since I was a kid, he's always told me, you know, it might not be your path A or your path B. It might be your path C. But at the end of the day, you're going to get where you want to be. It just might not be in the exact moment that you want. So I think often being told that as like, A kid and as I got older like learning to deal with some disappointment and just learning okay like yeah I can have a little pity party but then I have to zone in and look for you know those other paths that are going to lead you where you want to be and I think as long as you like you said don't pigeonhole yourself I think from my dad as long as you are able to kind of navigate the routes and you know there might be some speed bumps along the way you're going to get where you need to be and as long as you have confidence in yourself and people around you and keeping a good like you know, not vibe, but a positivity, a positiveness, um, it's going to take you farther than you can imagine. So that's what I was always taught as a kid. And I think I like to think I live that pretty good, but I mean, not, you can't be 100% happy all the time. I mean, through COVID, man, I mean, I, you know, I'm working six days a week. I have a good job. Um, It's not exactly what I thought I'd be doing, but it's, you know, I was able to work through COVID and it's just my plan A to plan B and, you know, things come as they're supposed to come. So I never get too worked up
0: there you go man that's that is a great great mindset like especially in such a like bleak time <laughs> yeah, um, you know like that's something <laughs> yeah you. yeah it's it is so so unprecedented unusual uncanny but yeah I mean grow in the areas that you can in the meantime yeah. It helps to have Brock around, I'll tell you
1: yeah, that. It does, man. I I would believe it, man. Um I we think still, I would, hold on. Go on.
0: I was gonna say we still hang out periodically. It's some good yeah. candle after to have around at all times. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean I had, I've had Brock in my life since third grade. So we met in third grade in uh, Mary Amon Mary Amundson's third grade class. And we were pretty tight and then I mean, we were tight all the way through. Um, but I remember like meeting him in like third grade, just Brock being a goofball, and it really does provide a spice of life. And I think one thing too, what I've noticed, whether it's I mean, I'm trying to really limit my social media time because I think that's been draining, just seeing constant bickering and just as some things are going on right now across the world and the country. And I think um, trying to not put so much pressure on ourselves in our early twenties during a pandemic, I think initially like I was trying to fill my time with hobbies and trying to do so many things that it kind of exhausted me. When in reality, I think I just going step-by-step step is better than trying to just cram everything in. And I think I'm sure, I mean, we're all guilty of you said, but I'm sure a lot of people in their younger twenties are kind of experiencing that. I'm more than sure.
0: Yeah. How yeah. you're feeling day by day is social <laughs> media use, you know, like I, I'm guilty of it too. You know, I use it way too much sometimes, but um, Yeah, like instead, like I try to like, you know, uh, train myself to like, not to resist the temptation or like, you know, check it frequently and instead like build the the present moment awareness. Um, so yeah, well, uh, Spencer, uh, I think we've uh, done a lot of great work here today. Um, (laughs) I think we solved some uh, some great problems but we also talked about um we talked about a lot of things you know we talked yeah. about germany and poland we talked about the duplex parties we talked about <laughs> <laughs> um where we see ourselves like i yeah i'm glad we did this man i knew you would be a good guest
1: oh thanks i mean my only fear i'll be honest with you is like, i was nervous because i mean in my daily life i try so hard to not um when I'm talking I try to always keep things tight now versus just going on and on so you might have to edit some things I'm sure kind of like cut some yeah
0: but I edit I edit every episode down and like honestly I feel like most of the edits I make are of myself so
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I hope I was clear enough um yeah Yeah. I, I hope I did good on that or I didn't lead on or
0: Oh, dude, you did It wasn't
1: super clear because I hope I was able to answer your questions in like a, in a positive manner like in a good way that made sense so when people are watching this they're like okay, what the hell is this guy talking about?
0: I mean that's me that's like that's me every single episode like what the hell is this guy talking about <laughs> so, but uh, well we have two more questions and one of them um, was put on my first line of shirts recently which you might know. What keeps you up at night, Spencer?
1: Oh, what keeps me up at night? Um, I think what keeps me up at night is um, hmm. I hope that all the people I care about in life are able to achieve what they want to do positively or just that there's too much sadness in the world and I, I wish or I hope and pray for a happier world in the future. And I hope that, you know, some puzzle pieces can slide to make that happen.
0: What uh, keeps spirits in me? What puts you to sleep?
1: Um, Probably if my dad has the golf channel on or, <laughs> or uh, lo-fi. Lo-fi sleep music, man. I did that all throughout college and I still do it today. And I think... Man. Also working at 3.30 in the morning and being up as late as I am. I haven't napped today. so that Yeah, work. that's why we had to
0: do it early today.
1: Yep, yep. So definitely have, appreciate you being so flexible. <laughs>
0: yeah, you have work when most people are in the deep in the REM sleep. <laughs>
2: yeah, correct. Right,
0: correct yeah. Yeah. Well, great things all around, man. Um, I'm Thanks, glad sir. we could do this. And uh, yeah, I you know the lo-fi beats the to study too those are really popular these days i do well um everybody uh watching um learn your uh, ancestral roots mm-hmm. and uh, look into traveling to other countries adapt to cultural customs and uh also don't always pigeonhole yourself and like for a career but think about you know what surroundings do you desire and what kind of company do you desire what you know like what skills do you want to be using by this time
2: mm-hmm. i think
0: that's a really good um good perspective and one i think it's overlooked so good shit um thank you for yeah thank you for watching mr nice guy everybody we'll see you next time